Thank you so much, Charles, for being on the We Don't Play podcast show today. How are you? I'm excellent, and uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. I know people have tapped into this episode because they saw the title, they saw the need, and they I'm sure there's a there's a feeling that they need to get because experienced people like you, professionals like you who have been doing this for years, I mean probably even decades, you know, would definitely love to take this 30 minutes and listen instead of just doing, doing, doing. So I'm, I'm so thrilled and happy that you're able to be here with us today. Pleasure. Thank you. Anytime, anytime. I would love people to know more about you. You know, who is Charles? Let people get to know who you are and um, the floor is yours. Just give us a brief introduction. I'm a Midwestern boy. I grew up in Iowa. Uh, I attended Central High School in, in Davenport, Iowa. Graduated, didn't know what to do with myself. Graduated early at 16. Uh, worked for most of a year and then joined the United States Marine Corps at 17. Spent four years in the military, two years overseas, including a combat tour in Vietnam. Came back, was stationed in Kansas City. Met and married my wife, Ruth. She had five children when I married her. Uh, claim insanity. But we were married for 45 years before she passed. So that was pretty good. Um, then uh, after, after military, I realized fairly quickly that business did not value my military experience then as now. Um, people who haven't been in the military don't understand what the military training brings to the table. So I went back to school, went to college now, finally at the age of 25. Uh, got my BBA, my MBA, sat for and passed my CPA exam while still in graduate school. Graduated with honors, did the whole thing in you know three years because uh, I was motivated. Uh, went to work for Texas Instruments, a wonderful company. Uh, they are a great engineering company and they think accountants are a necessary evil. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved on. I spent the next 15 years doing uh, various stints in small and large corporations, turnarounds, startups, high tech, all kinds of things. Had a great time, got lots of good experience. Realized when I was in my early 40s that I was never going to run a major corporation. I didn't have the political skills, at least then. Uh, I was unwilling to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. So I said, if I'm going to run a company, and I would prefer running a company rather than working in one, like my father, he had his own company, that I was going to have to start my own. So in 1991, Ruth and I started our own company. And here we are some 30 plus years later. Uh, we started out as a full service accounting firm with a payroll sideline. About 10 years ago, I sold the accounting practice to my partner and just kept the payroll. And we've been running with that ever since, having a great time, uh, enjoying life. Uh, we've got great clients. We've got great employees. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I know. Payroll is not fun to most people, but it is to us. Uh, we enjoy it. So that's where we are. We provide payroll services and payroll related services to small and medium sized businesses around the country. That is beautiful. I, I, I highly applaud you for this because this has always been something that a lot of businesses don't get to see. It's more like an oversight 
when you think about it especially as a business owner who's just thinking about oh i'm just trying to make profit but you forget about those underwriting you forget about those underlining factors that really determine those profits you're trying to forecast so yeah it's it's so true you know for those who probably don't know what a payroll is or payroll system is could you kindly just tell us briefly what that is for people in in the united states employees have to be paid and out of that pay money is withheld for taxes social security uh, medicare deposited and paid into the government and there's various forms and regulations about reporting it and then the various states have unemployment departments which collect unemployment tax and revenue departments which collect uh, tax withholdings from the individuals uh, through their company so it's a very complicated lots of moving parts lots of people involved the irs all the states so you could have literally literally there are over 15,000 taxing authorities in the united states the tax payroll because cities, uh, states, locals, uh, transit taxes, all kinds of things. There's a transit tax in Oregon. There's a, uh, a city tax in New York and in Indianapolis and in Kansas City. If you work in the city uh, or if you live in the city, if you work outside the city and you work in the city, you get taxed as well. So there's taxes everywhere. We handle all that for our clients. We help. We all they have to do is tell us how much they're going to pay per hour per salary period, and how many hours people work. And we take care of the rest. We calculate the all the payroll, all the deductions, all the extras, all the miscellaneous stuff, all the taxes. Pay the individuals, uh, either direct deposit or checks or debit cards. Then we make all the tax deposits, file all the forms with the federal government, with the state governments, with the local governments. Uh, our clients don't have to do anything. And what this does is frees them up a lot of time, whether it be the owner's time or somebody he's tasked to do it. And the problem with tasking to do it is, and we see it all the time, is fraud. Uh, they don't make the tax deposits, they pocket them, and they do other illegal things. And then the business owner is still stuck having to pay them, even though they've been stolen from them. So uh, it saves the owner time. It, provides security, it provides privacy, uh, it, it's, it costs a pittance. It, we're very, very good at it. And we have all the equipment and, and the software and the people do it. So for us, it's, it's you know, we do it in a, in, a, in a heartbeat compared to having to do it yourself or buying very expensive systems to do it. So outsourcing payroll makes all the sense in the world because it frees up time, either for the owner or for his employees, that he has other things for them to do rather than calculate payroll that he can outsource for uh, just a minor fee. So, and then we help them with HR, handbooks, uh, benefits, uh, all kinds of things come up, uh, both legal and illegal aliens. Uh, you know, you, you name it, uh, S cheat which is where the government takes uncashed checks uh, and manual and employee manuals and everything else. So we help them with everything that's payroll related. That's great. You know, when you were mentioning this, one thing came to my mind, you know, employees or people that are on payroll, sometimes they, before they get hired, sometimes, you know, usually the question is how much do you want to get paid or how much do you think you're going to get paid? 
Now, when they ask those questions in those interviews, is there any point in time that the people who are answering those questions think about the payroll system? Sometimes they do, but usually not. The, the, the guy who's setting the salaries is probably not the person doing the actual payroll work. Okay, And there are some problems uh, with asking what people used to make now. Some uh, authorities, some states and so on, uh, it's illegal now to ask a person what they made at their last job, which is crazy, but that's, you know, politicians make laws that make no sense all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you've got to be careful. And when you're interviewing somebody, There's a lot of questions you can't ask because they can come back to haunt you. You can't ask them what religion they are. You can't ask them where they're from if they have an accent. You can't ask them if they go to church. You can't ask them if they're married. You can't ask them if they have children. All these things can be viewed as discriminatory questions where you're trying to weed out certain people. And there are certain classes of people race, religion, national origin, uh, age, and so on, that are classes that you can, if you discriminate against, are it's illegal and you will get fined and or, uh, you know, slapped on the wrist. Normally it's a, it can be a hefty fine. It can put you out of business. So you've got to be very careful and we, we can consult with our clients. We've written articles on it, what you can and can't ask. It's, it's, it's critical, but no, uh, normally the HR guy who is hiring has a salary range that's been set by management and he doesn't care how the payroll is done. He just knows his check comes every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Thank you for that highlight, because as you were mentioning this too, another thought came to my mind, which is why is it that then if that is the case for them not to ask those type of questions why is it that when somebody is applying for a job or applying for some type of position that question for example what race are you is within that clause or it's within that phrasing if it's not a big deal or if it's not supposed to be asked shouldn't it not be in the application in itself from the beginning most applications that is no longer there okay it is. It, it, it has progressed over the last, as we've watched over the last 30 plus years, where a lot of these things have been made um, illegal, uh, they unlawful, because they courts have felt uh, in one situation or another that it was discriminatory to ask. And therefore, just the fact of asking is discriminatory. Okay. okay. So if I ask you if you're black, and if I were discriminating against blacks, and I don't, uh, why would I? Um, and I can be viewed as being, if I don't hire you, and you answered, yes, I'm black, and I don't hire you, they can say, well, you didn't hire him because he was black and you're discriminating. Or he's Jewish and you're discriminating. Or he's from Poland and he's a Polak and you don't like Polacks. You know, it can get really crazy and the law continues to change. Because what else do politicians have to do except pass laws? Mm. That is so true. You can tell I'm, you, you can tell I'm not real high on politicians, <laughs> not even my own. <laughs> 
I can see that. I can definitely see that. But it plays a major role, you know, in where people get to these things. Because sometimes, like before, you're so right on this, where people wouldn't get the job and they're like, oh, sorry, try again next time. And they won't tell you why you didn't get it. But because you answered some questions, that's the thought that comes to your mind, which is really bad, you know? It, it is. And the reason why employers, particularly now, will not answer is they're afraid of running afoul of something. Mm. For instance, when I've been taught and learned, and I teach my, my clients, when I go through resumes, um, I don't make notes on the resumes other than A, B, or C. I don't want any notes on there that the government could come in and look at my stack of resumes for that job and say, well, you noted this guy was from Costa Rica and you're discriminated because he's Hispanic. No, thought it was interesting, so I wrote it down. They will uh, make innocuous comments, notes, remarks, and construe them as discriminatory. So you can't make them because you're now at the mercy of some judge that says, yeah, that's discriminatory. Oh, wait a minute, that's not what I thought. That's not what I was doing. That's not what I was thinking. Well, we think so, so you're fine. Mm. Don't make them anymore. You just don't do it. Uh, I, I mark A, B, and C, C's I don't want to talk to. B's are, if I can't find anybody in A, I'll come back to those. And the A's are the people I'm going to interview. That's it. That's the only marks I make on a resume that's really good thank you for highlighting that because a lot of people will now feel much better so that even if they do apply <laughs> you know for a new opportunity or a new job and they see that question and they're like wait no charles said that this should not be part of the questionnaire so that should tell them either to pause or to call the company and ask why it's in there because it has been stated by law that it should not be indicated as a list and there, there's guides online, and I've written articles on, on what questions you can ask and so on. But if the other thing is, if you've got a potential employer that's discriminated against you because of where you were born or your religion, do you really want to work for that SOB? <laughs> no way. Because <laughs> he's a narrow-minded individual. Right. And, you know, he's not going to take care of you anyway. So... You know, I, I don't want to work for people like that. It's one reason I own my own company. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very tired. I got very tired of my livelihood being at somebody else's whim. Mm. So I became an entrepreneur. And it's not for everybody. Don't misunderstand me. But it's been a great life. Yeah. Thank you for highlighting that. You know, now, now when I think about this, it now makes me wonder if somebody starts off their own business and they because like, i know one of the major things that i've got to see in my my little experience is you know for every business owner you need to have an accountant a manager and a lawyer that that is without question so if someone is trying to find an outsource let's say for an accountant or for a cpa or you know a payroll system or a planner that they can be able to at least you know start their business with low overhead costs of course how can they begin in a way that is practical and feasible well the first thing is yeah you need an accountant a lawyer a banker and an insurance agent you need those four people for sure ask your friends ask people in similar businesses to you interview them make sure that they are comfortable with your type of business 
they have experience in your type of business and that you like them because they may be the most wonderful small business lawyer in your niche that understands your industry perfectly and if you can't stand the SOB you're not going to work with them anyway so find somebody else so it's a matter of the chemistry and their experience and their knowledge and of course their fees because some of these guys think they're worth you know a lot of money um, here one day and um, we had a problem with a major competitor it was a long story but anyway uh, a friend of mine took me to their law firm and the partner 800 bucks an hour and this was 15 years ago I ain't gonna pay him 800 bucks an hour he's not worth that to me for damn sure <laughs> oh no that is serious uh-uh <laughs> yeah. so I, I I said after me I said thank you very much and went and found somebody else <laughs> right appreciate my friend introducing me but not for that price if they're not gonna give me a friend discount Right. And with those kind of businesses, you wonder how long they thrive because you don't like like the same way you walked out the door. That's the same way 10,000 other people would walk out the door because there's always an alternative better. So how do they thrive in those businesses if they're acting like that? Well, because they have very big clients who don't care about the money because they're overcharging all of us peons out here that are paying their bills. Mm. You know, Walmart doesn't care whether it's 800 bucks or $80 an hour for an attorney. They don't care, okay. Neither does GM or Ford or, or, you know, the, the football, the local professional football team, or, you know. So it's eight hundred bucks an hour. They don't care. You know, when, when you're paying twelve dollars for a beer at the stadium, they don't care about eight hundred dollar an hour lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. Thank you for highlighting that. You know, onto the entrepreneurship route, especially for people who are you know listening and they're just trying to get their business started especially after what happened with the pandemic everyone is trying to get their feedback up one of the things i've come to understand and see and i would really love to hear your opinion on this and i've been doing some research on this is when it comes to taxes especially as a business owner i hear that you're supposed to set aside at least 30 percent of your income or whatever is coming into your business on the side for tax for taxes now, that 30%, is that a standard rule or is it something that has to be based on some type of criteria? Well, there's all kinds of things that come into play. And as you talk to your CPA, he's going to advise you. But it's not necessarily of your gross revenue. It's of your net income. In other words, if you are doing a business that has a large cost of goods, you know, you're selling metal products at a, at a low margin. You may do a million dollars of business, but only make $50,000 net. Well, you don't need to set aside $300,000. It's all went to a material anyway, but you need to set aside a substantial chunk of your net income. 30% is a good rule of thumb number. You, you won't go really wrong that way, but if you're in New York City, you probably should set aside 50% because city tax and state tax are a lot higher. If you're in Dallas, Texas, like I am close to, 30% uh, is probably a little more than you need because there's no state income tax uh, and there's it's a lot lower cost of living. Uh, 
from the government side. California's high, New York's high, um, various states, uh, you know. Okay, let's just be real frank. Democratic-run states tend to have higher taxes, and you're going to pay a higher percentage of your income if you're in those enclaves that have high taxes. There's some benefits that go with that, and if that's worth it to you, that's fine. If not, find a place like Florida or Texas or Wyoming that has no state income tax uh, and a lower cost of living, and, and it's a better life as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's 30% of your net income is a good rule of thumb to start with. If you do that, you're never going to be way off mm. because you've got you've got all your self-employment taxes, your Social Security and Medicare, that's going to be 15% of your income right there. Then you have income tax, you have state income tax, you have federal unemployment tax, you have state unemployment tax, you have state withholding, all those things, and they will vary from location to location. But mm. you're, you're good with 30%. It's a good start. Okay. So... I'm thinking now, thirty percent. If you put it on the side, that is where you're not gonna. It's like putting. It's like putting it in a treasure bank, or like maybe let's say in a in a treasure chest or somewhere where you're not gonna touch it. Well, see, here's the thing: you're required to make if you're not an employee, where it's coming out of your paycheck and going to the government every every month or every week. If you are not incorporated, if you are sole proprietor, you still have to pay estimated taxes four times a year. Mm. So you're not going to get to save that very long before it's actually due to the government. Okay? They don't want you to because if they know that if they said to everybody in the country, okay, we're not going to withhold any taxes, on the 15th of April, you write us a check. Come the 15th of April, they get a tiny fraction of the money that was due them. Okay? The country would go, the government would go bankrupt immediately mm. because there'd be no revenue. All the people would go, well, I don't have any money. I can't write that check. I spent it all. So that's why the withholding, which came into effect in World War II, and people don't realize this, but 75% of the federal government's revenue comes through payroll. 75% is income taxes and employment taxes that are withheld and deposited uh, weekly or monthly or semi-weekly or monthly or daily uh, by the various companies in the country. 75% of all federal revenue comes through payroll. We're important. Wow. <laughs> that is major. I feel like this is like a mind-blowing... Oh, It is. It really is. Wow. So if they weren't collecting the withholdings and the employment taxes, the government would go belly up because nobody would pay. Right. I mean, if you look at that tax, people say, oh, I got a refund. No, they didn't. They just overpaid their taxes and got a little bit of it back. Mm. If they look at what they really paid in withholding, they'd go, oh, my Lord, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> that is so true. Wow. Wow, I'm thinking through this now because now I'm thinking for for people. I'm just kind of putting my head in people's, you know, businesses because I'm on Clubhouse a lot and I listen to a lot of rooms and I also conduct a lot of rooms. I moderate them and I also do a lot of social audio listening. And from what I hear most of the time, businesses, you know, that do digital products or do products online e-commerce, 
they don't think about these things they just say oh this shirt is twenty dollars but you forgot that there's a 4.5 percent tax you're supposed to deduct from that or let's say you have a 500 um and you know retainer fee do you put a six percent tax you know based on your state you know those are the things that people don't think about so how does someone that has never done this before now hears this and they're like okay i need to switch up before the government comes for me how do we you know put my pricing like keep still you know keep my pricing at bay but also incorporate those tax benefits and those tax implications as well but your cpa literally the the we're, we're the guys that are that we work this stuff we're we're number crunchers we're, we're bean counters this is our livelihood this is what we do so you got questions about it we got answers okay and we'll tell you uh, you know, and try and keep you on the straight and narrow, but you don't know what you don't know, obviously. Okay, and that's always a disaster. So we know what you should know, and for a small fee, we'll be glad to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can go get into the web and, and Google and, and try to find all these things and so on, but trying to find out which form you need to file with the state comptroller's office because you have uh, a state excise tax due or a state franchise tax that you have no idea of hmm. you, it's not worth your effort to, to figure it out talk to your cpa he'll tell you you need this this and this and here they are and if, if you say well i don't know how to fill it out he'll say well i can fill it out for you for a fee you know, he'll be glad to. That's right. how he makes money. I mean, we're we're not we're not we're not your local charity. I, I'm sorry, but we are very knowledgeable, and that's what we do for a living. We help people with this kind of stuff. Yeah, we have fun with it. We solve problems. One of our biggest things we do as a company is compliance. We solve problems that the IRS creates or the states create. Um, that's that's really our unique selling proposition. Is when you get into trouble with the IRS. We fix it. That's, you know, I'm a CPA and a U.S. tax court practitioner. I've been on the IRS Advisory Council. This is kind of, lets me do things that a lot of my competitors can't. And it's fun. Uh, dealing with the IRS, my lawyer used the phrase in another case on something else, but I've stolen the phrase. Dealing with the IRS is like playing high stakes poker with somebody else's money. It's fun. <laughs> So when people hear that, it's like they it's like they cringe first before they make a move. <laughs> I, I cringed when he said it to me, and I went, "Yeah, but it's my money." <laughs> yeah, but it allows us as CPAs to to help our clients to solve problems for them because we know what we're doing. We're experienced. We're knowledgeable. Uh, we have to have continuing education every year. We read the trades. We go to conferences. We we do all these kinds of things to keep up to speed on this. Now, understand there are good CPAs and there's poor ones. Just like there's good CPA lawyers and poor lawyers, good doctors and poor doctors. You know, and if you ever find yourself going to a poor doctor, you go find a better one, right? Okay? Uh, if you're dealing with a banker who doesn't want to help you, you go find one that wants to help you. You're dealing with an insurance agent that says, ah, don't worry about it. No, I worry about it. Talk to me. Okay? So. There are good CPAs and bad CPAs. Find one that's good, that you like, that can work with you and help you, and that knows understands your business. If he doesn't, 
you don't like him or he doesn't like you or he's not helping you or you know you ask him about something you read on the net and he goes eh nothing no 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 explain it to me no 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 find another one mm. that's a good red flag to look at so that you can easily yep. avoid those things because sometimes people you know give their trust so fast and then they get you know, it, it, it bounces back really hard on them. Just like, for example, one of the celebrities, Rihanna, the, what she was talking about, her accountant that, you know, ripped her off. This was something that we wouldn't think of because you're like, okay, celebrities have all these teams and management, but it's the people that you don't even think about that actually play the biggest roles, <laughs> you know, in your finances. So it's true. It happens. You, you, you need to trust them and you need to, you need to verify too. Um, so you've, you've got to be careful, but one caveat, your accountant, your lawyer, your banker, your insurance agent, your advisors, they are advisors. They're there to give you advice, <coughs> excuse me, and explain things that you don't know. Do not let them make business decisions. A lot of them, lawyers particularly, accountants, some of them are bad about it, will tell you, well, you need to do this to make your business run better. They're not running your business. You are. You know your business better than they do. You understand your clientele better than they do. You understand what you want to do and your goals much better than they do. So listen to them. If you don't want to follow their advice, don't. It's your business, not theirs. At the end of the day, they've got their own business. They're going home to their own wife and their own kids and their own home. And you've got to take care of yours. So listen to them. Make sure you understand what they're saying. And then make your own decisions. Don't let them run your business. Because some of them will try to. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for that special advice. Because that's going to help a lot of people know what to do and then start off on a good note because we don't we don't hear this every day especially on the podcast so this is one of those episodes that i hold dear <laughs> hold tight because it's going to save a lot of people going through these mistakes you hear people you know spending thousands of dollars and they don't get back what they paid for and you wonder you know they get burnt and they don't want to do it again so you're like how do i trust you when i trusted three other people before you so it's it's kind of hard to you know look through that it, it is. So that that's where recommendations from your friends uh, are, are very important because they say, okay, I've dealt with this guy for years. I trust him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not perfect. He screwed up here. He did this. But overall, you know, he, he, does, he does good stuff in an area that's critical to you. Um, friend says, I wouldn't trust the SOB any further than I could throw. Don't use him. <laughs> that's a fact there's a reason your friend doesn't trust him okay <laughs> just like the, your, your, your celebrity that got uh, defrauded who would use that advisor under any circumstances okay if they knew that that was him no never get another client if everybody knew he'll get them because they don't know but that's a whole different story exactly <laughs> 
That is true. Wow, this has been so helpful, so knowledgeable. I'm sure people have to replay this over and over so it let it sink, let it marinate, and let them be able to, you know, do the best to their ability to know that best next decision to make, especially for their business. So I really appreciate this. Um, this is, I'm blown away, to be honest. And I know people are too. And I would say if there's one way or one thing that they should take away from this episode, if they've heard everything, it's understood, it's clarified, if there's one thing that they need to take home today, what would that one thing be for the rest of their business cycle, life cycle? I think the most important thing to learn to do in business is to learn to work on your business, not in your business. If you just have a job that you call a business, you're just working in a job. If you're working on a business, you're constantly looking at how to make it bigger, make it more profitable, grow it, bring in people, uh, make it what you dream that it's going to be. Uh, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth Revisited, is without a doubt to me, the, the best business book for small businesses because it teaches you how to work on your business, not in it. I buy them by the dozen and give them to clients, copies of it. So that's the takeaway. And in there, a lot of the things I've said, Michael uh, highlights in his own way, um, advisors and, and bankers and lawyers and so on and so forth, and profits and taxes. So that's the most important thing an entrepreneur can do is to learn to work on their business, not in their business. A friend of mine gave me that book 25 years ago and saved my business. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. That's that. If you have any takeaway from this, that's the takeaway. Learn to work on your business, not in your business. Thank you for that. That's a major, major key takeaway. And that will help a lot of people really understand what they're working on. Because people will think that, oh, I have a business, but you're really running a business. But it's not really yours because it's a job. It's like, it's just, it's just a job. <laughs> it's just yeah. a job. That is true. Wow. Thank you so much. If there's anything that you have that would definitely benefit our listeners, you know, whatever it is that you would love to offer, please let us know because I know a lot of people are wondering, where can I get Charles content? Where can I get Charles? Whatever he has, I want to grab it. <laughs> well, this is my newest book, The Payroll Book, A Guide for Small Businesses and Startups. In favor for your listeners, if they will go to thepayrollbook.com, the website, thepayrollbook.com, enter the discount code podcast we will ship them free of charge a copy of the book as long as supplies last mm, wow thank you so much this is going to be definitely included in the description so in case you want to know where to do that you can either rewind this or click the link in the description and get right there and you'll definitely get your copy you know charles is going to definitely bring it and i know whatever is in that book it's going to save you 25 years of research. <laughs> that one I can say for the fact. It, exactly. It's it's 30 years of knowledge distilled down to 95,000 words. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. Mind blown. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you for being on here. If there's any way that they can connect with you socially, um, what options do they have available? We're on the obviously on the web at getpayroll.com. And they can find us on Facebook, 
Instagram. We're even actually on TikTok now. We're on YouTube. We have our own channel on YouTube, Get Payroll. Uh, we've got some fun videos out there as, as well as a lot of educational ones. The most recent series is Charlie the Bartender. And I'm having, I had a lot of fun making those. Uh, they're about two minutes long and they, they highlight a point about payroll. So uh, we're all over the place. Please feel free. And you know, uh, my email is cjr at getpayroll. If they've got a question, let me know. I'll answer it. I, I, I like to answer questions. Uh, you know, if I can help them, uh, if it's a simple answer to a simple question, it's it's free of charge and it's just off the cuff. No big deal. Wow. If it's a, a big involved project, we'll talk about it. You know, quoting them a fee. Definitely, definitely. If wow. they have anything to do with payroll, if they have any questions or have anything they need done with payroll or payroll related items, we want to talk to them. Definitely. We're, we're growing our business. We, we, we want more clients. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Please get on board because you will not want to miss this amazing opportunity. Thank you so much. This is wow. This is a big one. I'm, I'm sure they're definitely going to tap in for sure. My pleasure. Anytime, anytime. Until we meet again, God willing, thank you so much for being here and I look forward to connecting with you again.